0: Um, I'm Nancy. Welcome to the Better and Faster, Happier podcast. We talk about organizational design and actually trying to make sense of this complicated game. And today on the podcast, I've got Claire Donald, who is the VP of Engineering at Moo. And I'm super excited for her to introduce herself to you.
1: Uh, hi everybody. I, I'm Claire. Um, I'm talking to you uh, from Moo today. So I've been at Mo for eighteen months, and I'm really looking forward to being asked some questions. So,
0: so I met Claire, I think about almost like a year and a bit ago at really? a yeah at a Is it was a Silicon Roundabout Careers Fair, and I was like, who's this cool woman with like her hair? <laughs> and you were just like standing there, and I was like, and I remember when I was working, my boss was like don't go to move because <laughs> I want you to stay um so I'm really happy that like a year later we were able to connect so it was faith but Claire I really want to ask you when I say better faster happier organizations what comes to mind for you
1: I think of companies that are always striving to be better um, and companies that people have people within them as well that are always striving to do things in a better better way you know thinking about uh, what better means both for them as employees and as a, and for the customers as well Doing it in the right way is quite important as well. Mm. You know, it's not just about being, you know, I think the faster part of that can be a, you know, be a, bit, of a bit of a rabbit hole. You know, it's not always about just doing things faster. Yeah. And you're know, do, doing it right is because just as important. Mm,
0: absolutely. So I'm curious from Moose.com, from a Moose perspective, is that you guys are quite big. How do you stay in touch with your customer?
1: We have a really good research team. We mm. do lots of uh, focus groups and yeah. you know, lots and lots of customer customer research. And we're constantly trying to think about, you know, what, what our, our next, uh, our next segment is. Mm. So we've had, uh, I've done a lot of work on our company strategy this year, which has involved a lot of research on looking at different problems that some of our customers have. Yeah. And different problems in the marketplace. You know, I mm. was thinking about how we can, how we can launch different products and services to, mm. to meet some of those, meet some of those needs. Yeah. So I, quite, quite I, an evolving space. I actually
0: really love that you're actually trying to figure out problems to solve. And actually, like take me back to when you said the rabbit hole that a lot of companies fall into when it comes to faster. Can you kind of give more kind of thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, we're, we're well known for our, our business cards and our and our printed products uh, right right now. You know, we, we do do very well as a business, yeah. business for it. You know, we could be more efficient at doing that, and I'm I'm, I'm sure we will continue to get to get better. But you know, it's just being more efficient producing business cards and other printed products mm. might mean that we're completely missing the, missing a trick and looking at other at other uh, other products and other other things that we could serve serve the market mm. on. So yeah, going back and thinking more about the the the, the problem yeah. uh, and the why and what our customers are actually trying to trying to do mm. might serve up new opportunities for us to exploit. Yeah, but, you know, if we were just obsessed with going faster and increasing our velocity, we we, we might we might not open our eyes up to it. Mm. Enough.
0: So. Business cards, which paper, print, digital world, everything is digital these days. How are you guys finding that transition? We, is there a
1: transition? Yeah, exactly. We actually embrace the fact that in a, in a digital world, people want uh, beautiful physical things. So mm. you know, we we're, which is why we're more in the the upper end of the market. You know, we're 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 a premium brand. Yeah. And you know, we we're happy to to play in that space because yeah, in the modern world when thing everything is digital. The things that you touch and that you hand over to someone to represent you need to be breathtaking. You need to have that wow factor, and you know, that's where we was trying to try to play.
0: I never thought about
1: it from that perspective.
0: So we were actually talking earlier, and you mentioned safer, and mm. that stood out to me because usually when I say better, faster, happier, we just kind of limit the conversation to these three things. But I never thought about safer. So can you tell me a bit more what you were thinking? When you mentioned that
1: word, yeah, and maybe it's my background in the public sector. I automatically think about (laughs) being safe and secure as well. But I mean, I actually think um, in the context of what we're talking about now, is thinking a different angle, and it being about you know the about the employees and about for the people that work at a a company. You still have to look after the people in the company as well, and you're sort of working everybody so hard um, that they completely burn out and are not are not happy. It's not the not the right way the right way to do things. Um, And I think you've also got a a safer angle from the commercials of the, of the business. You know, Mm. so fine and well going after big revenue targets, but if you're not profitable as a, as a company, then you're not, you're not growing in the right, the right way either. Yeah. So when I think about the word safer, for me, represents all, all those things. You're know, yeah. sort of safe and secure from a security perspective, treating mm. your people right, and growing a company in a, in a sustainable way.
0: So I like to think that from a kind of financial revenue perspective, we've got things like our cash flow or revenue flow to look at. But the conversation starts to become a bit difficult when it comes to people. And I guess, what are the kind of things that you can look out from your experience when it comes to, data that allows us to understand if a team or a group of people are essentially at flight risk in terms of they're burning out and we're pushing them too far. Because I don't think that's something, what tends to happen is that people experience the burnout and then we're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have pushed them, bashed our heads about velocity. So I don't know if there are kind of red signals and red flags that alarm us before
1: yeah, these things may happen. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that I've got some amazing database here yeah. that does some uh, trained analysis and does does the pre warnings, but yeah, know, I'm afraid not. But yeah, you, know, you know, the way we, we handle that is is people having lots of people to talk with. You know, our our, mm-hmm. um, our our product development teams all have access to a coach, and they all have access to an engineer manager as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so they all uh, talk regularly about uh, you know all sorts of different different aspects, and they've got a, you know wide support network right in, right inside their team to be talking mm-hmm. through when they've got any issues or problems. So, and hopefully, most of that is nipping things in the in the bud. Yeah. But you know, we have a really great people team here as well. So many different avenues for people to get uh, to mm-hmm. get to get support. For example, uh, this this year we've done some training on mental health first aid. So, oh, like, lovely! There's more yeah. than ten people being trained as mental, mental health. First aiders, and just in the far-ending office alone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you know, there's uh, lots of different places for people to to lean on if mm. they're not comfortable speaking to the manager. You know, they've, they've got a coach or they've got the yeah. people team and yeah, mental health first aiders. Would these as well.
0: people be embedded in the squads or are these like how? Does
1: uh, they're, that work? they're they're different people throughout the organisation. So I think yeah, there's more than ten of them in in this mm-hmm. in this building of two hundred and fifty people.
0: You know what I love about that? It's kind of consciously decoupling certain roles. What I mean with that is, it is hard to tell your manager, I'm feeling a really, I'm having a pretty shitty time, especially when you may work in an environment where that directly impacts your performance. Yeah. And then it's hard to talk to your product manager who basically wants you to get stuff done. So I think it's great to have that objective person. So now, off the topic of safer, I wanted to kind of pick your brains around how the hell do you make sense of this Spotify? model thing monster that is taking a lot of companies by storm but it's actually creating a lot of pain than good in terms of how we structure people so how are squads structured at Moo and how do you make sense of this chapter squads and guilds stuff
1: yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked about this at a couple of conferences this year, and I've blogged about it as well. You know, we started off using the Spotify model a cu- couple of years years back, you know, for perfectly sensible sensible reasons. You know, I think it was a good a good starting point for us. You know, when we, we were primarily project based, so it helped us move to be a more product based mm-hmm. uh, organization and give uh, a sense of ownership to crews. We never got around to calling them squads, mm-hmm. uh, crews, yeah. and, and tribes to you know to own their own their services. Uh, but over time, you know, we're sort of two or three years in now. I don't think we've rigidly stuck to stuck to the approach. You know, I like think we've we've naturally started tweaking things, evolving as we go along. What feels right for right for me, and I, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say it's been a failure, but I think there yeah. are there are there are parts that certainly didn't didn't work for us. You know, us having a, a monolithic architecture meant that there was tension points between the Spotify model and um and, and what we were even able to do. Yeah. You know, I think the Spotify model assumes that you've got teams that are autonomous and, are, and are, you know, microservices based yeah. architecture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where each team can autonomously own each of their each of their services. And you move know, to a twelve year old company, it's says you know it's got some tech debt yeah. we're, we're, we're working our working our way through it but yeah each team does not own 100% independent autonomous services mm. and you know for us to release our monolith it requires it requires input from a, yeah. from eight different different crews
0: yeah
1: so yeah that within itself sort of um, took took away some of the the, the benefits that are mm-hmm. described by the by the Spotify model you I know mean, I don't think a lot of companies because you know speak to other people that are using the yeah, Spotify yeah. model think about the, the the sort of technical enablers that are required to make that that type of setup work yeah you know, it's most definitely not a, a process thing. You you need you need all it's things. It's a setup thing as well. Out. Yeah, yeah. So we, we were just you know thinking about lots of different ways how, how we evolve what we what we got you know right, right now actually. You know, yeah, I've not got any magical answer just yet. No, actually, but we're, but we're a- actively thinking about how we um, yeah how we evolve things.
0: You know, actually, what I love about everything you've described so far is that there is certain prerequisites required before you consider doing certain things. Do you have the right setup? And I don't think we often think about it. It's like all of these, even Scrum and Kanban from an agile perspective, all of these ideas and methods, they all have prerequisites. And I think if you're not clear about the prerequisites, you tend to bang your head against the wall wondering why it's not working. working.
1: I mean, and Moo did think a lot about some of these things. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely things that we implemented before we put in the Spotify model. I mean, Agile coaches weren't even a thing mm-hmm. uh, until, until this happened. Um we implemented... A role of a technical product owner as well. Yeah, we we introduced the role of an engineering manager in a more more dominant way. So you know we, we did think about lots of different mm. things, and yeah, we did think about the architecture as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I think some of the, you know the combination of all the, all of these things as 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 you go along doesn't doesn't always pan out the way that you that that you think about it up up front. It's like a complicated puzzle yeah, trying exactly. to like
0: piece the puzzle to well, put, piece know, it, it together. Exactly,
1: it's just that it's a comp it's a complex problem. You know, it's yeah. not something you can define define up front and say right, yeah, off you. Off you pop, yeah. Um, you know and that's we're, we're thinking through some principles right now, actually, around how we might organise our, ourselves going forward. And you know and that's one of the one of the key ones. Assume, assume change. Oh, organisational yeah. design. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which itself sounds a bit sort of solid, doesn't it? But you know, you know we're all working on the assumption that it'll be more organic. You know the, yeah. the business evolves and changed. Our, our world is volatile. Uh, you know and how we organise ourselves needs to needs to be able to evolve and adapt at the same sort of same sort of pace as a yeah. as, as a business. And yeah, if we have been too rigid in our, our thinking or if our, the way that we're organized is holding the business up, mm. then we've not done something, something right.
0: Absolutely. Oh, great. So I am also curious about hearing recent success stories when it comes to this grandiose mission of being better, faster, happier, and in your case, safer. So what are kind of some of the, the wins that you guys have experienced
1: when I was thinking about this this talk earlier, I was trying to think about a big, a big example, and I, and I thought, you know what? I think for me, we do lots of small things, sustainable. And then, Love well, that. yeah, exactly, and some of the little things actually have quite a quite a big a big impact. Mm-hmm. This year, rather than doing our a bi yearly engagement survey, yeah. which is a more sort of traditional thing, your big big questionnaire, year yeah. questions, and we we reanalyze it all. We've moved to a model where we're doing a pulse survey, like an E-NPS on a, mm-hmm. on a monthly basis and mm-hmm. doing lighter weight surveys every quarter. The results of that aren't conclusive yet, but yeah. it means that on a very frequent basis, we're getting just a pulse of what they feel, the feel mm-hmm. is on the organization and whether some of the things that we've been doing yeah. um, off the back of the bigger surveys are actually actually having having an impact. And I, I think it just gives an opportunity for the whole company to, you know, there's only two questions in these these pulse oh, things. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're really, you know, really, really, really um, fast and quick. For people to get uh, to have a to have a say, I think you know in, in general over the last year we've done a lot on improving our our two way communications. Mm-hmm. You know we've been doing things like having uh, electronic anonymous if need be. Cuny answers after our all hands event. We've went through phases of the exec stood yeah. there taking taking questions. You know, drop in surveys, yeah. lunches. You know, there's always more more we can do on that front. But yeah, I, I feel like we've made a, a much bigger effort to mm. try and improve two way communications between the leadership team and the general general people on the and the company. So, that's, and those things have quite a, quite a big impact on, um, certainly on the happier piece mm. and better, because, you know, the more um, the, the general employee at Moo can understand about where the company's heading and, and where we're trying to get to, the better Absolutely. they can make decisions on their day to day work by, yeah. them, by themselves.
0: Absolutely. And I love the way how, in some, to, to a certain degree, you treat your employees as your customers. So the same way how you're constantly trying to learn about your customers, I think we should do the same thing about employees as well. And I think that's what the survey might actually help us out with. I actually remember when it was a company I was working for and this big survey thing came out and it was about, it took about 45 minutes to complete just one survey. And we then had several all heads afterwards and people were like, Where's the data? Where's the data? Where's the data? So it took them about seven months to get the data, analyze it, and present it back. And, and then it's for the next survey. Oh, oh! by that time, it was like, <laughs> so we are going to do some initiatives around the top three problems. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then I think about a month after, so this is month eight into sending out the test, analyzing the test, and presenting it back. And someone said at the all-hand, Do we know what the initiatives are? Oh, we're just going to have to spend the next few months planning what those initiatives are. And guess what? By the time the initiatives were launched, we were doing our next survey. You would call a team of researchers or UX designers pretty incompetent if they were to engage so little with their customers. I think you can apply a similar principle to
1: employees.
0: employees. At least that's my kind of perspective on it.
1: So we're trying to think of another couple of examples of the you know our our, our guilds are, are are thriving. And you know I think we have you know none of them are mandatory. They're all optional. They they spin up and they and they spin down pretty pretty, pretty yeah. frequently. You know we have everything from movie club to, to beer nerds to you know your, your sort of agile DevOps. Yeah. Um, in fact, one that's been quite um, a, a new one that's just started actually was around uh, uh, tech KPIs. Which started as a little um, a little working group off the back of us thinking earlier in the year about what what metrics we wanted to track, and we've been inspired inspired by what we read about in, in Accelerate. And mm. so, you know, there's been a, a, a little self organising task force this, this year of of implemented all of that. I'm mean, slowly but surely automating some of the some of the statistics, and and yeah, that's now at the stage where and uh, you know that this task force have disbanded and. You know, is spread across the teams, and they're now now a guild. Yeah, you know, there are there are people that that are really passionate about improving what we've got and yeah. increasing the quality of the data and making sure we've got accurate accurate targets. Mm. And and yeah, they're they're they've self organised themselves, and that's been handled as a as 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 a guild.
0: You know, it's actually making me think. So I've often when I've been in environments and guilds were introduced, they were more of a formal
1: structure. We are working. It felt like you were just doing work. Work, yeah. I mean, we're, we're normally quite implicit, actually, that, you know, uh, guilds can have ideas, but they're not, they're not delivery vehicles. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean you've got your own it. mandate to, to, to go off and do whatever you want. Yes, you've got ideas, but there are, you know, there are ways that you need to interface with the rest of the company yeah. to get your, to get your, your ideas uh, yeah. your ideas supported. I think you hit
0: the nail on a the hammer. They're not delivery vehicles. No, they're not they're, projects. There are places where people can come and share their passion, and if they want to do something off the back of their passion, then
1: yeah, then they can. Then they can. And um, I'm not saying all of our guilds are successful, but, you know, but that, but that's, but that's guilds.
0: But I think, it's, yeah, I think if you get that straight,
1: because
0: I won't name the name of the company, but I was working at a company and guilds essentially became projects, and what ended up project teams and. What ended up happening is you had members in squads who were like, oh, I just can't do that work because I'm actually going to do some guild stuff. And that took up 80% of their time. And I remember the product owner being a bit confused because they were like, this guild stuff is meant to be a hobby place, right? (laughs) I'm really confused. And to be honest, I caught up with someone from that same company and he's like, yeah, we're still dealing with the same problem.
1: And then the work that comes out of our goals, you know, um, it isn't hidden. You know, if there's, there's work that needs to happen, then, yeah. then it's discussing with product managers and, and teams around how we uh, how we prioritize and fit it in.
0: But then you're fitting it back into your delivery yeah, in model. Delivery model. Not, it spins off and becomes its own monster.
1: No. Mm, cool.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I guess, so I'm actually quite transparent about my failures on social media because I think we should do more of that. So I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of the things that Probably didn't go as well or as planned when it comes to better, faster, happier organizations or even a better and faster, happier Moo. And
1: what did you guys learn from that? From me personally or, yeah. or from Moo. I've got I, I, I fail all the time. <laughs> I do, I'm, 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 I'm quite uh, honest and open to yeah. open to feedback as well. You know, if I if I think back to some of my earlier years, you know, I've never I've never always been in uh into into Agile. You know, I've got a back history of being a, a project manager and a program mm-hmm. manager. You know, when I I think back to some of the that i done say 10 years ago of yeah. absolutely driving through people to get a, a project delivered yeah. and getting a thing done and me being like really really proud of myself at the end of it I um, got shit done yeah, I, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then you know then I can, I'm, I've got this one project in my mind right now where I, did, I didn't even care about the people involved it was just sort of like yeah I've got that done yeah and there was the, you know the, 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 the blaze of people behind me was I didn't even care mm. which is terrible to think about now because you know, I think I'm a completely different person Nowadays, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I care about all the, I mean, you know, I'm a manager of people. I, I, I genuinely care about every every single one of them. And yeah, and I would never do something like that uh, yeah. n- n- nowadays. And you know, I can sort of remember the point where, where things turned as well. When I was working on this particular project where it had been sort of chucked in at the deep end. Somebody had left. I was a contractor at the time. Yeah. You know, just get chuck, chucked in at the deep end. Yeah. Milestone to deliver in, in six weeks' time. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, a, it was a really big, complex program actually. It wasn't even just a project. You know, about, about 100 people. Multiple suppliers, and you know, we've got this delivery deadline in six weeks time, and I'm just sort of like, I can wrap my head around all that in, mm-hmm. in a you know a tiny, tiny amount of time. I'm just going to have to trust these people. Mm. Um, you know, and some of them were suppliers and they had contracts, but I was just like, got them together, and I was like, all right, you just need to tell me what to do. And yeah. Like, You're not going to tell us what to do. I was like, well, no, I don't have a clue what to do. To be perf- to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So what can I do to help you is be better at your better at your job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were a bit they were a bit taken aback by that because you know my, my predecessor was a, a, a bit more command and control. Yeah. And you know, all of a sudden here's me asking asking their opinion, and they're sort of like mm, the contract says, and I'm just like you know what, let me worry about the contract. Tell me how do we get this shit done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, like that, that without me even realising it, that was me starting to become more of a, a, a servant leader and getting into this. Yeah, that was, into this agile That's really this funny, agile stuff.
0: Because I was just about to ask you what was your transition like from a project manager to this agile person? And I think that Yeah, that that, 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 that was story. the start of it.
1: Yeah, I mean and I, I think it's the same sort of same sort of um it was this sort of the trigger moment. And you know, from then, you know, I'm sort of hearing from the team that are working with me around all these impediments in our in, mm-hmm. in our environment and yeah, you know, I'm a problem solver at heart. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I couldn't help but want to uh, want to solve some of them you know and as you're going through this you get more feedback as an individual and you know I got a lot of feedback around you know, I'm a very passionate person and you know sometimes that passion bubbles over I'm Scottish as well yeah. you know sometimes I can come across a little bit aggressive so you get me passionate about something yeah. and loud and I'm throwing my, my arms up around and around in there and um, you know sometimes I don't listen yeah so I'm sort of getting all this different feedback and I'm sort of you know, I'm like all right I need to, I need to do something about yeah. it uh, and I thought, yeah, I'm getting all this feedback about not listening well enough. So you know, mm. go off research in different ways to improve your listening skills, and this is how I got into got into coaching. Yeah, and you know, uh, coaching was was like the start, the starting point of learning how to how to listen better, uh, learning more about asking different types of questions, mm. which then led into facilitation. Yeah, and yeah, you know, that and that sort of took took me right the way down uh, into the agile coaching path. It looks like it took you through like a, an inward transformation. Of I do. I did. I did. Like I can remember the first session that I facilitated, and you know, and I, I had expertise on the on the on the topic that we were talking about as well. And you know, and I really, really did have an opinion, and I really, really struggled to contain myself, even now, despite having years of um, practice on doing doing facilitation. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm focusing on this the session. That I you know designed and prepared yeah you know i'm taking them through the session and you know what they, they, we got to the end and the team came to a conclusion i think yeah, it was a little bit different to what i was envisaging but it was a good solid answer they were all happy with it and it stuck because they came up with it themselves mm-hmm. and i was just like oh and this is like a massive realization for me i was like I, I don't need to know the answer it doesn't matter if i don't know the answer in fact it's almost better if i don't know the answer just you know helping get a team through talking mm. through a problem themselves and coming up with a, a solution is, is massively powerful that was like another turning moment for me I, you know i then felt like i didn't need to know the answer to everything you know i don't have to always be the expert you know knowing how to get and extract the the expertise from others is a is a, is a skill within its a skill yeah within absolutely i arguably draw upon my facilitation skills more than my my coaching skills to be honest um I'm not a natural coach. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I do more team coaching than I do personal coaching. It's not, it's not my 40. I have to really stop and think about it.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny you say because I was, I had breakfast with a friend of mine about two weeks ago and we were just talking and talking and talking. And I was very fixed that I'm a coach because that's what my title says. And he's like, no, you're just fucking great at facilitating. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, when I'm confused, I come to you because I need you to faci- like, help me facilitate. Yeah, to get it out. To get it out. That's what I come to you for. And I'm like, oh, okay, I did not know that. Mm. So it, it, it resonates a lot with what it is you're describing to me. And I wish there were more people in leadership positions who recognize that their job is to really facilitate and extract knowledge from other people and not necessarily be the one with all of the answers but
1: i mean i think i mean i've come full circle now you know i've just been promoted to vp engineering congrats uh, yeah, thank you. um and Moo is now drawn upon some of my experiences as, as a manager, you know, yeah. my, my technical background, and all of the skills that I've learned along the way around agile coaching and facilitation yeah. are making me a better manager and, and a leader. Just makes you a better human. Exactly. Makes, makes you a better human. You know, I, And I'd really believe that that's, that's the future, you know, having managers who are leaders that can, that can coach. Oh, that touches my heart. So we're also,
0: I mean... Something I'm curious about as well is what's one area that you guys
1: are quite keen to improve on in the next, like, six months to a year? Tackling our or moving on from some of our tech debt in a different, a different way. Tech debt. Yeah, oh. tech debt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the big thing that is, we've been chipping away at it for quite quite some time, you know, gradually um, mm. re-architecting and refactoring our, our code base um, and, and building out microservices as we as we go along. Which, you know, has worked to, to a certain extent, but yeah. so it's taken a, taken a long time. Mm. Um, so really, we need to re- rethink how we're, how we're doing that and think about how we, how we create, a, create a step change. Mm. So no, no solutions uh, just yet, but that's going to be part and part of my new, my new role, mm. is to consider that more.
0: What's your thought on the whole 80-20 or, I don't know, thing? So 80% features and 20% bugs. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the same as actually addressing tech debt.
1: No, it's not. We, we talk a bit here around like BU, BU and lights on, mm. and unless like a rigid split or different people doing different things. But it's just an acknowledgement that I'm not, it takes time and effort to, to run what, what you've currently, what you've currently got. And yeah, for a, a you know, a, a, a monolithic application that's got a lot of tech debt in it, it does take quite a lot of time and effort just to, mm. just to maintain and yeah. sustain. And yeah, keep the, keep the lights on and our, our, you know the, the growth of the company relies on that. Right, right now, you know it takes up a significant amount of amount of effort, mm. uh, and if you ignore it even more, then it then it just breaks. So you know, I like think we we acknowledge that that type of work is important, and we try not to try because I don't think we've necessarily got it all right. Mm-hmm. Try not to over-profile any sort of investment, new new feature work on top. So, I mean, I, I don't think we get it get it perfect, but yeah, we. we don't compromise on the lights on stuff. You know, We yeah. have to be able to, to run the business. Mm. And yeah, if all we're doing is building new features, then then we wouldn't we wouldn't be sustaining things either. I think that's another, it's another part thing. safer.
0: Yeah, and no, I think it's a good thing that at least you're talking about it. Because I've come from environments where so I was working with, with this group of developers and they're like, Nancy, let's go for coffee. <laughs> okay, what's happening? What's up? And they're like, I'll be really honest with you, the reason why our tickets take forever to deliver, we purposely leave them in progress. And I'm like, why? So that we can address some of the tech debt stuff that we're just basically told not to. So we have it as our Trojan horse. And we say, yeah, 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 we're working on it. It's been built. It can go out tomorrow. I just don't want it to go because I need to fix certain things. And they're like, we've been doing this for about six months. And this is why when people come to our team and they're like, your velocity, your cycle time, it's we are choosing to hide the, hide the actual work that we're doing that no one sees because everyone is fascinated by the new features. But no one actually knows that if we don't fix X, Y and Z today, tomorrow we will have big problems mm. with our application. And it's such a shame because... I'm sure there are tons of developers and engineers out there who can resonate with that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's a tricky problem, and you know, I don't think we've we've nailed it either. I mean, a re- recent example we've just implemented a, a, a tracing tool uh, to help us with ob- observability. You know, that required some effort from all all the teams to, yeah. to, to integrate with. Not a huge amount of effort, but um, but effort all, all the same. And again, yeah, that's effort that wasn't necessarily planned in. You know, we had to justify a little bit of why yeah. of, of why it was important. Yeah, you know, we we spent a bit of time explaining to the the, the product managers of of what it was for mm. and how useful it would be when we had an incident. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know exactly, and, and people get it a little bit a little bit more. But yes, it's all, it's always hard to sort of strike the right balance between technical work and feature work and. Uh, you know, and getting everyone on the, on the same page. You know, we, we encourage our tech leads and our engineering managers to, you know, o- almost lobby the product manager. You know, that's a healthy tension. It's a healthy tension. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's healthy. A, exactly. Yeah. healthy tension. And you know, if the product manager isn't doesn't get it or doesn't understand the value, you know, it's part and part of their job to help them understand. Yeah. Because collectively, they're 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 planning the work for 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 the team. You know yeah. The team are involved in that as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's part and part of the product manager's role to to consider the the whole stack of the the Mm. application, not not just the the features that's set the top. Oh, absolutely.
0: So we're getting to an end, but before I let anyone go, I always ask them, what's a book that you're currently reading that you say like everyone needs to touch it or at least not touch it, but everyone should read it like right now. Like if you don't do it, you my blacklist. So I've
1: just started reading a book called Team Topologies, which has uh, just come out, which is uh, really, really interesting. It talks about four different types of team and uh, three different interaction models. And I think it's timely for, for me. One book's really good. But yeah, as we are starting to think about how we uh, evolve our org design and you know, whether Spotify is right or not for us, there's some, some real good uh, tangible concepts in there for, for us to think about and potentially apply.
0: Nice. Um, check out? So Claire's looking for people to read the book with her, so... <laughs> I'll use this as an opportunity yeah, pl- to get the book, reach out to Claire on LinkedIn. I'll make sure she's her link is in the description box and just send her a message. I'm sure she'd be I'd happy to- I'd love to talk
1: to you about <laughs> team topologies
0: if anyone would like to. To have a buddy. So that's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this 30-minute chat with Claire and myself. I actually learned a lot and my brain is- Probably not going to rest after this conversation. So, guys, that's it. Thank you very much for dialing in. This was Better, Faster, and Happier with Nancy. As always, if you're new, welcome to the club. And if you're an oldie but goodie, thank you so much for not getting sick of my voice. (laughs) My family members will probably say something different. But, yeah, just subscribe if you're new to Spotify or Pippa. And we'll see you around for the next episode.
1: That was great. Thank you. Bye.